0: The following is brought to you by The Social Suplex Podcast Network.
1: This is
0: Great Match Generator. Welcome to Great Match Generator, the podcast where we look at great matches and see what made them great. I'm here with Greg Brown. How are you doing, Greg? Penn State got a win finally.
2: Yes, they did. Really happy to see that. Um hopefully it uh gives us some momentum to win the last two games as well.
0: Yes. Um, and I'm here with not Beast Mike this week, but with Matt Richards. He is the the forum moderator of the greatest match ever forum on the, on the greatest match ever forum. (laughs) Is is that basically it, Matt?
3: (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, that's what I do. Um, at least in the world of wrestling. Um, yeah, it's good to be here.
0: Yes. And we have four matches, three different combinations because one of the matches, two of the matches are the same combination, but, we have Pirata Morgan versus El own from EMLL 1116 1990. We have Jackie Sato versus Tomi Aoyama from All Japan Women one for 1980 And then we have Randy Savage versus Tio Santana. Two different iterations of it from 422 1986 and 54 1986 The 422 86 one's from MSG and the 5 2 eighty six ones from Maple Leaf Gardens. Where do we want to begin?
2: Uh I don't got a preference, but uh if we uh don't we normally go in chronological? So you wanna start with the oh, women? Yeah
1: we do normally go in chronological order. Good with me. Um um um
0: chronological order um so let's go with Jackie Sato versus Tomi Aoyama um first um what were your thoughts overall in this match
1: Greg going to go first <laughs> sure
2: <clears throat> um sure uh so the the, the first thing is uh Uh, uh, again, we talk about this with a lot of the Japanese matches is, uh, it's hard for me to tell who's who, but I did pick up this time. Um, it was a little harder because these two looked almost identical, (laughs) uh, outside of their ring gear, uh, just physically, they were, uh, both extremely skinny, uh, and had the same haircut. Um, but, yeah, they were wearing different outfits, so I was able to tell them apart, and, uh, it was a really interesting match. I don't think I've really seen something like this. Um it immediately caught my eye that these women were going at each other the way the men were, and this is all the way back in nineteen
1: eighty. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah,
3: so I I go ahead. Um yeah, I was just I was just gonna say it was an echo that the, the I think the standout thing about this match is just the kind of intensity of it, right, that um, they really, um, they they kind of hit the ground running and never slow down in this match. And there's, uh, I think, a lot to appreciate within this match, but I do, I did also, uh, like Greg, I'd never seen um, Tomi Ayoami, or how do you say that, Ayoama? Um, I don't think I've ever seen her before. Um, I'd seen a few Jackie Sato matches, and yeah, they if you weren't there for the entrances and you were just sort of watching them with their hair in their faces um, you'd fly around the ring, it would be very difficult to tell the difference between the two of them. Uh, but I thought that the, their physicality really matched each other really well.
0: I thought the legwork here was very good by Ariyama. Um, her legwork was very good in the match. It really complemented well with with the selling as well.
3: Yeah, I I also took note that leg work early in the match was great. Um, I did. I think if you I don't have a ton of context for this match, but if you think about it, sort of in its context, Sato is kind of in the middle of a second of three championship runs. Her first one was a couple years long, so she's kind of this say she's the ace of the company because I don't really know if she, she was taking on that role at the time but she was certainly a champion that was seen as a as a championship level contender championship level wrestler um, kind of at the top of the hill so that kind of legwork is great early on to give you a sense of danger for this challenger um, obviously the people in the context would know this challenger but for out of context at least that really helped me sort of see like oh man Aoyama's is the real deal she's she's going to give Sato a run for her money here
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: and I thought the energy was very good in this match. I thought the crowd was at a fever pitch. Um it was very interesting to see a lot of women in the crowd too with the shrieks.
2: <laughs> yeah, the crowd was one of the things I was definitely noticing. Um well, Danny knows that I tend to uh pay attention to a lot of stuff around the match, not as much the the moves and whatnot and yeah the the crowd was really fascinating it it looked like a, like you said a lot of women a lot of younger women like schoolgirls almost and they were reacting like they were watching a horror film they were like recoiling they were crying like uh, I'm not exactly sure who they were rooting for because uh, I don't know the background like uh, Matt does but um yeah they they were definitely reacting with a ton of emotion and it it gave a lot to this match
3: yeah that's the thing i really love about uh about 80s joshi particularly is that i and i don't know why i don't know the dynamic of like why there are just like often these matches with like lots of young women who are responding as if it's their relatives out there fighting um But it's, like, in the the biggest and most intense um, 80s Joshi matches that I've seen, you just get these white-hot crowds of people who are invested in the the best possible way, I think. I think it adds a lot to the match. And this would definitely benefit from that as well.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I also thought this match had a certain grittiness and um, finesse that hasn't been seen since. um, With... And in 80s Yoshi in general, um, because I, I I just thought um, it had a finesse with, like, the early, like, sort of work with, like, the springboard and the dropkick into the gutbuster. That, that spot sort of made me shriek at the same time. At the same time, it had a grittiness to it as well.
3: Yeah, I love that spot. I, we we talked about a little um before we, we got on air, but I, I I absolutely love that spot. I immediately noted it as like this is probably the best
1: spot of the match, and it was relatively early. Yeah.
2: I think one of my favorite spots was uh later on when they did the, the spin. Cause A, it looked so much better than Cesaro's, and B, uh I think it was Jackie was uh, taking it, and she sold it perfectly with, like, grabbing her head. Uh, Too many times these days, you see somebody take a swing, and they just kind of lay there. (laughs) They don't actually sell anything, so I thought
3: that Yeah, to to that point... She like held her head like she was like all the blood was rushing to her head and it hurt, right? Like which would which is the idea of the move where I do think to Greg's point, like even now you'll see a lot of people like put their hands behind their head like they're like they're relaxing like it's a ride, Um, which I did think I never noticed that about modern people taking that big swing or big spin or whatever, whatever it's called until I saw this one. And I was like, oh, man, that's a really good way to take that move. Um, and I think, you know, uh, another, another spot that I really liked and I don't, this has to have a name, but where Sato would just, um, whip Tomi off the ropes and then just fly and grab her hair and face and just slam her into the mat oh, um, yeah. as she flew That's around. Um, yeah, man. it's a, it's a Sato move. Like she does it in a lot of her matches, but here especially, I think she just laid it in. Um, and it was... Just in the sweet spot where I think it really elevated the match, and uh, or for me at least, really elevated the, the action on the whole.
0: And she like lays out and almost like, almost like, almost like chokes her with that move too. With with the uh, like whip whips her and like pulls her down.
3: Yeah, and they're both that, so. That... Go sorry. That 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 move is incredible. Yeah, they're both so tall and lanky that they stretch almost across the whole ring when they land.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, overall, this match had an atmosphere around it that that was really good. I I liked the double knockout finish.
2: Too. I was really confused by it. I. I... Yeah, I, I wrote a couple notes here. I was like, "Wait, did the ref just count to 10? Um, I'm confused. The only symbols in this graphic I recognize are KO. Are they both knocked out? <laughs> uh, yeah,
3: I think I think it ends in a, a in a double KO. Um, I, you know, again, maybe, I'm not exactly sure about that, but that's how I took it. That's how I interpreted the finish, and I was I was kind of okay with that, uh, given the given the match that they built.
0: Yeah, given the match that they built, it was it was very good. Um overall four and a half stars I gave it.
1: Um really, really good stuff. Really good stuff here. Um yeah. intensity. Um,
0: yeah, I,
3: I went a little higher. I went uh four and three fourths. Um just just a little lower, you know, maybe not probably closer to four and a half than five. Uh, if I'm being honest, but I really thought watching this in not just the context of the four matches that you had lined up for today, but I also watched it in the context of two other sort of high-profile Jackie Sato matches from, from 1980, and I thought this was the best one of the lot by, by a pretty comfortable margin. Um, and so I, I give it the just under elite marks, but this is really top-notch uh, 80s, 80s Joshi to me
1: rick
2: um i i'm going lower with only a four but that is honestly because of me uh (laughs) um i didn't have all the context going in so that uh that kind of took things away uh for me personally but um as a standalone match it was still really really good so
3: uh, and, and also you should know, I, I'm like, I'm a pretty generous star giver. <laughs> so, uh, I, I'm probably even generous amongst like other people who would like have the context. So it's, uh, it's certainly, uh, don't, nobody should, nobody should sort of measure whether they're high or low or something based on my ratings. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty nice.
2: Fair um, enough. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'm nice or not nice, but, uh, Again, I just, I don't have that background, especially with stuff outside of the U.S. So, um, it just, if if I don't have that context going in, it can take away from me.
1: I want to get to these Randy Savage matches. Um, Randy Savage, Tierra Santana,
0: both at similar time periods, um, both in the midst of a feud. Um four twenty two eighty six and five four eighty six. I was wrong on the first date. It was five four eighty six from Maple Leaf Gardens. Um and this first match is four twenty two eighty six from from the um MSG. And this MSG match was really interesting to me. Um it was, it was it was the first time really seeing Savage in a brawl type setting. You see him in these choreograph- choreographed matches, and you're you're like, oh, this guy comes off like a star. You see him like it with Warrior or with Steamboat, and you're like, man, this guy is a star. But but Steamboat comes off great. Obviously, with Warrior, Savage comes off as a better man in that match. But, but in this match, Savage feels like a star. He moves with such fluidity. He's he has a, he has like almost like a bird looking for prey sense of urgency about him.
1: Um.
2: After watching both, my first question was: Are you sure these are two different matches? <laughs> um. Because yeah, we all yeah. know. That- that Randy had the propensity to uh, to choreograph out his matches ahead of time. But um, I-, I counted, I think, six or seven spots that were identical, both in what they did and when they did them. Not to mention the entire ending is identical. Um, so that was just kind of weirding me out the whole time. Was how similar the two matches were, which does make sense though, because um, they were only a few days apart.
0: But with that, a lot of these house show matches were worked around the country, around the around the loop, where these fans hadn't seen these matches
1: before. So and that's you put, I figured, yeah.
3: Yeah, so no, you get yeah. like you get. It was kind of nice to see it because it's two versions of the same match, as Greg said. Like, so not only are they on the same loop, um, that they're you know there're probably lots of wrestlers and pairings that are having very similar matches um on these shows and and sort of around this time period because they're doing they're doing their thing against uh, in front of different audiences, right? They weren't performing for. Streaming YouTube audiences, um, and then on top of that, you have Savage's you know desire to have everything planned out in a very meticulous way. So that's that's certainly what we're seeing here. Um, I still came away thinking the first one was a little bit better, just for my taste. Um, I don't, I'm not really sure why, except that maybe it feels just a little grittier. Uh, that it felt a little rougher around the edges, where for whatever reason the the five four match felt just a touch more put together and polished um but again, that might just be me imagining it that might be the aesthetic, the camera work as much as the actual match itself so um yeah great I mean, both of them were a great match, but it was very, very similar, or uh, both they were very very similar to one another, and uh, I think it was kind of a neat little it was a neat little like. I don't know, look at how wrestling worked at that time and how great matches can maybe feel not as great when they don't feel as unique. Because I, I, I felt like I came away from watching the second one thinking less of both of them. A little. Yeah,
2: I I totally get what you're saying. And I also agree about the, the grittiness of the first one. A <clears throat> um, couple things I wrote down here that I think gave it that feel. Uh, number one... The ref looked like a complete slob. Um, He was in, like, a stained shirt uh, with, like, this towel hanging off the back of him. And then in the second match, it was your classic WWF guy with the bow tie and everything. Um, So there were little things like that. I think the um, around the stage, er or the around the ring area was was grittier. And you had those old 80s, like, steel grates like as fencing to keep the fans away it was yeah i think it was the whole arena just had that gritty feel like you said um
3: Can, can somebody remind me did in the second one did they do the spot where savage comes off the top and takes the chair to the gut i know they did it in the first match and it was my favorite spot between the two but i didn't remember it happening in the second match
2: I don't know about the chair to the gut. I know they both opened with him going to the top and um, taking a, a fist to the gut.
3: Oh uh, yeah, but the in the in the first match, there's sort of a, a turning point spot about maybe maybe two thirds of the way through where Savage comes off the top to the outside. Well, uh, what was that? Sorry.
0: Two thirds into the match
3: where Savage takes a chair to the gut. Yeah, he, he comes off the top for a double-axe handle to the outside, and Tito hits him with a chair. And that was, to me, like, the the best spot of either match. And maybe maybe the one thing I could point to wrestling-wise that maybe set the first one off just a little bit for me. Um, but I, that was a really good point about the refs. I didn't even notice that, like, there was this sloppy, like, replacement-looking ref... Uh, in the first one, which probably had a lot to do with actually like why I liked the match better without me even noticing it.
2: I really the noticed God, at the end when he took the bump and then like they were trying to get him up. They like zoomed in and his shirt, like I said, was totally stained. And I was just like, "Who did they pull this guy out of the crowd? Like,
3: what is this?" <laughs> I love that about... the What was that, Danny?
0: They were probably still using State Athletic Commission refs in MSG at the time.
3: Yeah, they probably were. I, I, that's the thing I really... Like, I don't know. It's one of those things I like generally about, like, the 80s, uh, 80s brawls and what we'll see in, like, lucha brawls in the 80s and 90s as well, like... There's just this sort of like haphazardness around certain parts where like you'd never see something like that on, you know, your modern WWE or AEW or something like that. And it, there's there's something to be said for taking a little of the polish off of wrestling um to add some grit and and even if it's completely by accident.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I totally agree with that, especially in the third match we're gonna watch. Um I, I thought both of these brought over, right? But both both brawls between Randy and Tito were great. Um,
1: both in the three and a half star range. To
3: me, yeah, i I'd, I'd probably give I'd probably give both something around the four star range. I I think I had the first one at like four and a quarter, right. maybe pushing four and a half. And then I saw the second one, and I was like, ah, I don't feel like I can. It doesn't feel like it really if it could just churn these out on on a whim um it doesn't feel like it deserves it which maybe is actually unfair but i, I so i probably i didn't knock them down too far so they're pro- both probably around the four star range for me
2: yeah I, i'm in the exact same boat um i <clears> spent <throat> like especially with the ending the first time i see it with the uh the the roll-up pin into the reversal grabs the tights Etc. I was like, okay, that's that's cool. That's an interesting little finish there. Uh, the heel gets away with one. And then to see only a few days later him do exactly the same thing, kind of, like you said, it kind of knocked it down. But I still enjoyed him. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go four stars as well.
3: Yeah, I, I think really quickly it's um... – <laughs> It shows to me how, like, there are ways of doing great wrestling that don't translate to, like, star ratings and great wrestling lists and things like that, where, like, this is really admirable that they just churned this out in multiple venues. And I have to imagine it's not the only two um, that they had something like this. So that They could just sort of casually have this match together is incredibly impressive. And even though that doesn't maybe translate to my highest marks, it's great in a different way, because um, there's lots of different ways that wrestling can be awesome. Uh, if that makes sense.
0: Right, right. I agree with that sentiment there, because not everything is great in terms of star rating thing, like squash matches
1: or yeah, absolutely. or, or, or match. By the match. match. Let's
2: way. go to. Real quick, who was on commentary in Madison Square Garden? Because it sounded like Don King.
0: Oh, we have no idea. It was just some random band. It was like it was like Gorilla Monsoon, um, Gorilla Monsoon, Ward Alfred Hayes, and like some random band.
2: Okay, yeah, it was. It it sounded like Don King was like on commentary and. It almost gave it like, and because it was in Madison Square Garden, it almost gave it this boxing feel. <laughs> so that yeah, might have I would
1: have something Square about the build
0: as That sort of elevated that.
3: To. Yeah, I also noted that like, even though the commentary like knew what they were talking about in the second match, like knew it was a no DQ match, where in the first match they seemed kind of confused by the whole thing. Um, I still preferred the first match commentary. I like again, probably just the whole package of rough around the edges New York wrestling was was probably what was making me enjoy that a little bit more. Yeah,
2: definitely.
0: Let's go to Awesome Pirata Morgan versus El Farron here. EMLO, eleven sixteen nineteen ninety. Here, um. This was freaking awesome. Two out of three balls, hair versus hair. Um, this was freaking amazing. <laughs> so,
2: so to get this out of the way, the translations are, we're, we're watching a pirate take on a pharaoh. <laughs> yep.
3: Which is incredible.
0: Which is incredible. And, and, like, Perata Morgan just freaking, just comes straight out of the gates, just beats the living crap out of, out of, um, El Farron, Farron to, to start off, bust him wide open. And then the pacing and urgency was there the entire time. And I love this match.
3: Yeah, I really like that um, El Ferion looks like someone's dad who stumbled into the ring at the beginning. He's got his like his track jacket on, and like he he doesn't really look prepared to fight as as Parada Morgan is just beating him mercilessly. Um, and then, of course, by the end of it, he looks like a damn hero. He he's, he's actually like really firing back. And he's, I think he's in his forties by this point, but he still is able to hang with, um, Pirata Morgan who, you know, as, as I understand it, was really considered one of the best in the world around this time. At least the year before was, um, really highly regarded amongst not just your kind of tape traders, but your, your melters and so on. So, um, you know people really thought highly of, of prada morgan but El is is hanging with him by the end of this after taking a, a pretty brutal beating in that first fall
0: yeah that first fall was pretty brutal right there i uh,
3: i
2: the first thing i noticed was that uh prada i was like this guy is such an uber heel he's attacking this poor poor guy in a track suit at ringside <laughs> <laughs> and then I realized, oh no, that's his opponent. Yup,
1: yup, yup.
0: And and he would just like be the grab at him. Um, he went to first fall with this diving splash, which was incredible. And then he keeps on the attack, but then Alpha or, or, This just this match just had everything. <laughs> The all-time blade job from Pirata Morgan. Can we just talk about this all time blade job?
2: <laughs> Gushing buckets and buckets.
3: <laughs> yeah, Pirata Morgan always in these brawls was got the most out of his blade jobs, and I think this is probably his best one, you know, in my book at least. Um you know to your point about this having like having a little bit of everything Um, I I heard this take forever ago on a forum and I, I I apologize. I can't remember who I heard this from, but it was essentially that like, this is the, the Lucha match for regardless of what kind of Lucha you like, right? So it's got, it's a Lucha brawl at its core. It's a, it's a stakes Lucha brawl at its core, but it's also got some flying. It's got a, a decent amount of technical wrestling and grappling. So it's got a little bit of like the kind of three ways that I think we often think about and talk about Lucha or Lucha styles that, um, really excel. And I think they, they do a great job with all of them. They, they blend together seamlessly in a way that makes me think that the degree of difficulty here is actually kind of high and you don't notice all the different things they're doing when they're doing it because you're just watching a fight. You're just watching, two people who hate each other try to murder each other. Um, And that's what, in some ways, the best wrestling makes you think in the moment, regardless.
2: This was honestly my first experience with any kind of real Lucha, like, full-blown from Mexico. Um, And it was really fascinating to watch because I've always been under the impression that Lucha is nothing but high-flying, flippy stuff, Um, I've been getting a little bit of exposure to the submission side through Angelico in AEW, Um, and seeing this, I was just like, oh, I see now, they're really good at submission work. Um, Like, I'd never put it together in my head that the Mexican surfboard is Mexican, Um, but what I loved is seeing it applied correctly in this match. Um <laughs> it was really, really well done uh and it just went to the the submission skills of both of these guys.
3: I, I'm I'm a hundred percent like lucha brawls are one of my favorite styles, period. And and you know, to the to the forum that we talked about earlier, the the greatest match ever project. My probably – I think I think maybe my top five Lucha matches are, are sort of at their core Lucha brawls. They might have some, some grappling in them. Uh, I take that back. There's one grappling match in there. But the submission – like Lucha submissions are really fascinating to watch because they seem very distinct from the way submission wrestling works in um, sort of more traditional American wrestling or Japanese wrestling – but at the same time they still look really painful and um, I think if you can buy into the psychology of Lucha and kind of the the logic of their movements because I do think some people have a little bit of trouble with that if you can buy into that um, and it took me a little bit of time Lucha Brawls and Lucha title matches have so much to offer and I think this is a really nice I'm actually kind of glad this was your first sampling of that because it does offer a little bit of everything From what your your really top end late eighties to through the nineties lucha offers, and and I watch most of that stuff out of context and kind of cherry pick it myself, but this seems like a pretty good pretty good first step down that path.
2: Yeah, and like one little detail uh, I'll point out is uh, that he went um Parada went to do a pendulum spot later on, I think. Uh, it might have been Ferrione, whatever. But, uh, so, whenever you see a guy in modern, like, WWE wrestling do, like, a Mexican surfboard-style move, they just kind of, like, either yell or, like, punch the guy, and he they always offer their arms back. They just put their arms back. And it's like, in a fight, you would never just offer your arms to the guy so you'd be put in this intricate hold. But here he bent the guy's ankle and he was screaming out in pain and he reached back to like, stop it. And that's how he got his arms. And it was just this tiny detail of like how you set up that move, but it was so much more realistic um, that I really appreciated it.
3: Yeah. I, I I love that you pointed that out. It's really the, the devil is in the details with a lot of this stuff. And, Um, I think what you'll find if you get into it is that you'll see a lot of the two out of three falls matches will kind of follow this pattern. And for some people, you know, that that can be really boring, right? They can be like, well, like the, why do the matches follow the same pattern? But it's really in how they tell the story, right? It's, you know, in, in some ways wrestling, all wrestling follows very similar patterns. Um, and just the way Lucha kind of has done it historically can be, um, a little difficult for some people, again, and I, I'd say this not because anybody here has indicated that, but I've just seen it a bunch. People say they don't like Lucha for X, Y, Z reasons, but the they do. There is such attention to detail and the fluidity at which the people, can, these wrestlers can get into some of these submission holds, to be perfectly blunt, looking like they do, Elferian's case, right? Like, 40-year-old guy, he doesn't doesn't look scary on face value, but, man, once he starts moving, you see, like, this guy's guy an athlete. This guy's got something. Um, and he t- he's a storyteller and a, and a really good luchador, a really good wrestler as well.
0: And the finish doesn't even hurt it. <laughs> the finish doesn't even hurt it at the end, where, obviously, it's a ruse on Perata Morgan as he's trying to punch the guy, and the, ref- and the doctor ends the match. Um, this was freaking great overall, overall, it, it, it just speaks to what, what attention to detail does in wrestling or what, what I had a little bit of everything. And really, really, it really speaks to how transcendent Lucha can be when put in the right context.
2: Yeah, actually, can you explain that ending? I was a little confused what happened. It, it, it looked like, what, one of the ring men kind of quit or threw in the towel?
0: Yeah, that, that's sort of what happened. One of, one, of, one of Peraza Morgan's guys screwed him over, and it was obviously a screwy finish. It was a screw drop finish. Essentially, that's probably what it was. Um, I was a little confused by it. Um, Matt, can you
3: clarify it? Yeah, I, honestly, that's. I, I think I was sort of getting that there was like a there was a doctor right, like looking at him. Yeah. Um. And and I I think I thought it was a doctor stoppage, but doctor stoppage. Um. But but again, you know, maybe maybe I, maybe I wasn't just paying quite enough attention. I was um, thought it was a doctor stoppage, and then. Um, and then, you know, d- didn't pay that much attention to it this time around, because this is the second time I'd, I'd seen this match. So I wasn't maybe maybe looking for for that detail at the end, thinking I knew what was going on. But uh, that was my my impression. But regardless, it, it ends up being a stoppage. Uh, and, you know, what I got, I think the, the sort of takeaway for me was it was a stoppage because he was busted up. <laughs> um well, and and you know I think that sold a lot of the the you know the actual drama brutality the of it.
0: And it sort of sold the drama after the match too. I watched a lot of the post match, and Carrado was uh, obviously arguing with everybody.
3: Yeah, I think he's arguing. I mean, again, I think he's arguing because he's arguing the doctor stoppage, right? And if you've ever seen, I don't know, any MMA fight, literally everybody argues the doctor stoppage. Um, so. Yeah. I, I, I think that's it. Again, if 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 I, now I kind of want to look it up. I was kind of just just scrolling through some reviews of it, and, and yeah, I, he was
0: punching El Faron as as the match got stopped.
2: Yeah, it looked like they were, he was at least trying to continue the match. Yeah, um, um, I do, I I did like how eventually he resigns himself to the outcome, and they start cutting his hair and there's just so much blood, and they're like trying oh, to
1: that,
0: that's such a great visual. <laughs> uh,
3: yeah, so, so really quickly, I did just kind of look up some reviews of the match, um, and it does look like the consensus is that it was, it was a doctor's stoppage because of just how much blood Parada was losing, so despite him sort of still fighting back, um, there's this idea that he was on the verge of, of losing way too much blood, and that's why they stopped the match.
1: So are
0: like, stop this damn
3: match. of losing so much freaking blood. But, yeah, but, you know, I mean, again, it, to me, that's like also the sign of a great match is I didn't I didn't need to have a a real surefire grasp of what happened there to to think this was awesome. Um, you know, no, I, I, didn't think I understood it. it but I didn't, yeah, I didn't need it didn't need to be real cut and dry for me. Um, and that's also another thing I think we you get a lot with a lot of Lucha Brawls is these kind of screwy finishes that are not super clear because unless you speak Spanish and I don't. So I oftentimes find myself kind of guessing at what, what's happened at the end or looking it up. Um, I,
2: I spoke, I know enough Spanish just from my high school classes to, to pick out words here and there, but it, it still didn't help. And either way, like you said, Um, I thought in the moment, like the second it happened, I was confused and I was like, oh, that's kind of after this great brawl, that's kind of anticlimactic. But then with the arguing and with the hair and everything, um, I I ended up kind of liking it. Like like you said, it it didn't take away from the story of the match um, the way I I think it often does in WWE because they rely so heavily on the screwy finish. it didn't take away from that that match at all.
3: Yeah, that that's kind of something I wonder if, like, in ten years, if the WWE is not doing screwy finishes so much, if watching some of those matches a little bit out of context will actually maybe they'll age well because we won't sort of be thinking about them um, as part of this larger problem within WWE. You know, like we're not we're not watching this as a as a larger problem, um, you know, within the, the promotion. We're watching this as a single match that we, you know, it's a stakes match, matches hair versus hair. So we know there's a feud. Uh, we know there's this build. And, and I've I've read a little bit about that in the past, not even recently. But, you know, watching something out of context can sometimes actually be beneficial for the match, I think.
2: I, I will say because there was stakes. um I was surprised there was a screwy finish. Like if I was Parada, I wouldn't want to lose my hair because some doctor at ringside
3: said so. Like <laughs> Yeah. Well, one one of the things that is a trope, again, I'm I'm going off of like sort of reading people who know a lot more about Lucha than myself, is that in the stakes matches you get a little bit more of like the technico getting one up on the Rudo via something kind of screwy because they're finally getting their comeuppance and it's, they don't stick as closely to the, the Rudo technico dynamics that are traditional. Um, and so, so you, it's pretty common to see, um, kind of what we would think of as screwy finishes in these matches and fans kind of expect in a lot of ways that, this person who's been screwing someone over over and over and over again is finally going to get screwed over, and that's actually the payoff in some ways. So sometimes that actually does take me out of, of some matches, but as long as something like this is built around it that is really, really good, I don't tend to mind it that much.
2: With that context, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I actually kind of like that I ending mean, <laughs> now.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Four, I rated it four and a half stars. This was my match of the week. Um, A little ahead of the uh, Jackie Sato,
1: tomi Ariyama match. Really, really good stuff. Uh,
3: I'll go ahead and give mine. Uh, so, I mean, again, just like last time uh, with the, the Sato tomi match, I'm going to give this four and three-fourths. Um, and I'm actually going to take the the Joshi match by just a hair and really I think it comes down to lately I've been more into 80s Joshi than I have Lucha. Um, it's probably as much as anything a mood thing. So I think they're neck and neck. I think they're of equal quality just below the the absolute elite tier, but um you know as as good as it gets otherwise. And uh I, I I think this is pretty top end lucha stuff. Yeah.
2: yeah, and I'm gonna echo your sentiments. Uh four and a half and my match of the week, definitely. Um <clears throat> got to see a lot of different lucha styles. Got to and especially after this conversation and kind of hearing a little bit of the context of how Lucha you know really works uh was it was yeah it was definitely my favorite one of the week
0: all right for next time um i have to generate this 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 stuff so i've to make a group and then four matches for next week here we go so we have from Evolve, our first match from
1: Evolve, we have Chris Hero versus Kuto Hikata from 3 13 good, It's a good match. Ikada hid uh, hid hidaka. How do you say his
0: name? H- Ikudo hidaka hidaka.
3: Oh, I don't hidaka. know. I'd have, to, I'd have to be looking at it, and I still wouldn't know.
1: Three,
0: thirteen, ten. Then we have Roosh versus Negro Casas. Eight, one, 2014 from c m l l so we get to watch a little more lucha here to greg's delight um and we get to watch negro casas which is awesome um c m l l
1: and that's from eight one 2014. And then we
0: have Kawada versus Shinya Hashimoto.
1: 222
3: 2004 I'm just writing this stuff down. There, there's going to be some hard hitting in that one. I'm going to go out on a limb. Oh, no
1: crap. <laughs> From All Japan two twenty two,
0: 2004 I think I would expect that from those two men and then we have Ricky Steamboat versus Tully Blanchard Jim Crockett
1: Promotions 11-22 1984 That's an and interesting lineup <laughs> Versus, yeah, it is an interesting lineup.
2: I was just about to say, we're finally getting some more recent stuff in the 2000s, and then you slap an 84 on there. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's not me, man. It's the, it's the generator. It's the
0: generator that does this. We got to watch some Kawada. We got to watch some Negro Casas. Who? It's a marvel. Whew. I can't wait to watch Negro Casas personally.
3: Casas is a gem. Um, timeless. He'll he'll be around forever. Um, He's still yeah, around. Yeah, I can't remember if I've, I. I I think I've seen that match. Um, I'll, I'll recognize it when I start watching it again. But yeah, I, th- I think I've seen that one. It's, you know, it's two great wrestlers. You know, it's, it's hard for hard for either one of those to have a bad match together.
1: I haven't heard. of, of Hush. Hush.
2: But I've heard of Roosh.
1: And then Kawada
0: versus Hashimoto. Oh, I know what that match will be. A lot of forearms, a lot of kicks, a lot of I may get into this the night we pull out Hashimoto. I just have a feeling about that match.
1: Well we'll
0: see That's the two twenty two oh four one from All Japan.
1: Okay, I don't think I, I don't think I've seen that match. It's gonna be hard hitting. We all well, know yeah. that.
3: Yeah, it's Two thousand four Kawada versus Hashimoto's, I, you know, it doesn't take a rocket science to figure out what's going to happen in that match. Doesn't take a rocket science, <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> and then Chris Hero versus Ikuto Hakata. Um,
3: have you seen that one? Uh yeah, I've seen that one. I saw that one a couple years ago. Um, somebody sent me a link via the. The project actually, Um good match. You know, this this that era, Chris Hero is great. Uh It's sort of unique, but you know, I'll, I'd like to see it again, get a refresher on that one. But it's, but I remember it being being quite good, some intricate work.
1: Yep, and
0: Ricky Steamboat was totally blunted. We saw in 1984 in there.
3: Yeah, I don't think I've I dim crack not. it for much. Uh, or if I had have it, was seen so that? Long. I
1: don't
3: think I have.
0: Oh, so so we're in for a treat
1: next week, Greg, and possibly Matt, <laughs> and possibly Beast Mike. What do you think, Greg?
2: Uh, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm gonna get to see Cassius Ono in his indie persona. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Plugs.
3: Uh, Go check out the forum. Um, It is, I always forget the actual address, so I'm really underprepared for just Uh, half a second. uh, It's a GWE project.freeforum.net. And then I'm on Twitter at MarkoutMountain. Greg.
2: I am on Twitter at PSU Optimus like the Transformers character Uh, but most of my work is over on YouTube. Uh, I'm under the name Wrestling Optimus there where I play around with wrestling action figures.
0: Yes. Do you still do your Dynamite reviews?
2: I do. There should be one out probably Thursday night.
0: Awesome. And I am Kooks on Twitter. Thank you all for listening to this Great match generator, and we will see you next time.